Welcome to A Conspiracy in the Force, the show where we examine parallel conspiracies in a galaxy far, far away, in a galaxy not so far away. The show is designed as an introduction to modern-day conspiracy theories by using Star Wars, one of the most beloved fictional universes, as a point of reference. Let's begin. Okay, we are live on YouTube. All right, so thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of Conspiracy in the Force. I am your host, Conspiracy Kyle. Um, quick note before we get started here. Um, my book, Intergalactic Totalitarianism, the audiobook version is out now. So if you listen to audiobooks, go check it out on Audible, um, iTunes, Amazon, what have you. So I'll put a link in the show notes. So without further ado, I have a really great guest with me here today on a very special Sunday edition of Conspiracy in the Force. And you know, normally the Force rests on Sunday, from what I've been told. But 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 here we are for a fun-filled podcast adventure. That's that's all I know. And I have with me one of the co-hosts of the OBDM podcast. I have Mr. Midnight Mike. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Hey, thanks for having me. I know we've been kind of going back and forth trying to figure out uh, a good time to do this. And yeah, Sundays, uh, that's my day that I can do a lot more other people's shows, I guess, because yeah, you work full time. I work full time. We do podcasting as a, as a hobby, but I think both of us, we take it pretty serious and uh, it's tough to to fit in other people's shows while we're doing our own shows and you have a family um i have a wife and a property here to take care of so yeah sundays <laughs> sundays are the day yeah yeah you're right and um i'm always of the mindset you know i don't want to get myself burned out right like i do have a several other requests of people who want me to come to shows and stuff but it's like i want to try to you know i don't want to do it every day you know i mean uh, that, that would be fun if you could do that like full time right i'll do it every single day but like you said, it's just not feasible with other with other things happening. If I did it professionally, uh, I could do it every day. We have enough material on uh, our big dumb mouth to do probably a two to three hour daily show, at least four days a week. Do it like a morning drive time, wacky 90s hot talk radio show. Uh, we could do it, uh, but the money's not there. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of money in podcasting unless you're one of the big guys, unless you're one of the, the bigger podcasters that has uh, advertisers and sponsors and uh, has at least, I would say, a million subscribers on YouTube at the bare minimum and uh, probably consistently 50,000 downloads per episode. You're not you're not doing that. Uh, you know, I've been doing the podcasting game since 2005, 2006. And I've always maintained that I will never run ads on the show. And it's not because I have some sort of uh, grand idea. I just, I personally, when I, when I listen to shows, uh, I don't mind some ads here and there, but I just like a clean audio experience. And, and by the way, no one's looking to advertise on our big dumb mouth. It's not like I'm shooting people down and turning people down. No one's asking to advertise on our show. It's, it's too crass. It's too out there. And uh, so by me saying we're not accepting advertisements, well, no one's looking to advertise on our show. So, yeah, yeah it, it, you're right. It, it's a very, you know, because they, they want it to be a good fit for them too, right? So that's the, other, that's the other thing too. It is that, you know, 
Um, even if you get approached with offers, it's like, well, when they really think, I think when they really think about it, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not, so, not so much. And yeah, you're right. Some, some shows, the one, the, the ads on shows that I really don't like are the ones that are somehow just like inserted right into the middle of it I'm talking about. So it's like some of these mid sentence, then it cuts off. You yes. need to go buy this pair of underwear. Like, wait, hold, hold, wait, is this part of the, it just kind of like, uh, it, it throttles you a little bit and it's a little obnoxious yeah they're not done as gracefully i understand it listen i i understand that people need to get paid for what they do and they, they'd like to see some sort of return on their investment but for the most part i, I view this uh podcasting as a fairly a fairly serious hobby you know you mm -hmm. do invest time and money and energy into it uh and ideally maybe when i'm in my 50s which is not far off uh maybe we'll we'll have some sort of revenue stream to where we can make a little extra cash but uh not for the time being we don't need to dwell on that too much but i, I appreciate you having me on here and we can talk about anything oh by the way okay so you appeared on our big dumb mouth when was that last year it was last year maybe yeah. in the summer yeah hmm? yeah and i had asked you hey by the way you're you're a star wars guy you know this stuff have you looked into anything to deal do do with uh, Star Wars and toilets, because mm. we know these people, specifically like for instance Han Solo, the Millennium Falcon, Chewbacca, they're on when they're in hyperspace. That could be anywhere from a few days to maybe even a week, depending on where right. they're going in the galaxy. You would imagine that they would have to use the bathroom uh, toilet a number of times. Like, what does a Star Wars toilet look like? Well, someone wrote a an article on this you can look up at sci-fi.com and i didn't catch this when it came out but in the series the mandalorian there's actually a shot of a toilet i believe on mando's craft did you pick up on that um you're right yeah now that you <laughs> mentioned i i had forgot about that they they did briefly show that yeah, yeah. but no we we still don't know about the mechanics of it no. you know the, the the one thing that i'm kind of thinking it's like um is so I don't know if you've seen some of the newer, have you seen some of the newer, like the sequel trilogy movies? Oh, I've seen everything. Uh, the only okay. thing I re really haven't dived into are the, the Clone Wars uh, cartoons and the Rebel and uh, Rebel okay. cartoons. Yeah, the, the, I, would, I would definitely recommend the, the Clone Wars. The Rebels, I was, I'm kind of iffy on, I may go back. But um, so in the, the first one of the sequel trilogy, The Force Awakens, the main character, Rey, she's living in this like abandoned like AT-AT, right? And she she makes this bread she basically has this little burner and she like puts this stuff on it and then whoosh, instantly this bread appears i think with the space toilets it's that in reverse right you kind of do the thing and then it vaporizes it back into basically nothing you know and then maybe just kind of shoots it out into space because you know you think if you're in hyperspace when you flush it in a hyperspace does it do the same thing as hyperspace it just it's gone yeah, splatter it or is it stored up like you're in an RV, like you have your own kind of system is stored up. And then next time you go to Mos Eisley spaceport, you dump your crap as you do get general maintenance done. Uh, but yeah. what, what I see in the Mandalorian, it looks like the toilet looks like something that they would have on the international space station, something like that. It's like a stainless steel toilet, probably made out of uh, some high grade uh, metal and it's very there's nothing glamorous about it it's not it, it looks very 
specific. It's for tight quarters, for getting your business done and moving on. And in right. Star Wars, it's referred to as a refresher. It's yes, a, it's it a is refresher. referred to. Yes, a, a refresher, like like somewhere you would get refreshments. Yes, right. I, I guess so. I mean, you know, you I, get your refreshment there. Yeah, it's it's a multi-purpose uh, facility. I guess uh, some people call the bathroom like a water closet or powder room. Uh, I guess in Star Wars, it's called the refresher. So I did do a little bit of research on that because I was kind of curious. Um, I, pre- I appreciate the follow up. That's, that's yeah, been well, something that I've, you know we're 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 doing the hard hitting topics here today. Yes. Things that are, people really need to know that not a lot of people are talking about. And that's one of them. That is one it, of them. This is what Luke says before he goes to the toilet. This is Red 5. I'm going in. There you go. <laughs> right he likes in. To call, right he, in. he likes to call it out, let people know what he's doing. You know, I wonder, too, like, you know, maybe with a lightsaber, you can just kind of, like, slice slice up whatever you need. Can you you can you can make stuff disappear? I mean, you can lift rocks. Can you lift that the septic system and just release the contents out into space? But before it's, they met, before they met Luke, they would have had a problem with that. Maybe they probably, I think they had what you're talking about is that old septic system, right? When you go to the RV, you hook up the tube and uh, unload it. But then I think when Luke come, came along, he's like, listen, I can just with a wave of my hand, figure all this stuff out for you. And I think well, that's I, really, that's really why Han came back to save, to save Luke in the end, because he's like, I don't want to have to go through all this manual maintenance anymore. You know, well, we, like that's really, I, it makes me look like a good guy, guy by coming back to help. But really, it's because of the uh, the toilet situation he helped us out with. I'm not so sure Luke would have done that. He wouldn't because uh, Luke was taught primarily by Obi-Wan Kenobi and in the books that he read after that, he that he got from uh, Obi-Wan's uh, den. And in that. We know that Obi-Wan was not one to really endorse people using the force nonchalantly, like this as a true. show off. Right. And so I, I think that it would have been frowned upon to use the force in such a way to just move crap from here to there when there's already a system in place. It it seems like uh, the way Obi-Wan taught to use the force, you have to use it uh, for only, I guess, a greater good or to accomplish some sort of 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 a moral good i don't uh, maybe darth vader and some darker force users would use the force to move crap from here to there but that seems like it's below them like why would yeah. they even expend the energy they have stormtroopers to do that kind of stuff and sanitation workers to mm-hmm. to slop shit around so i i don't i don't foresee many yeah. force users taking the time and energy to to use the uh the force in the way you're suggesting yeah, you know, you might be onto something because now that I'm thinking about it, you know, when he, um, when Luke landed his craft there on Dagobah to go see Yoda, it started sinking into the swamp. Well, why do you think it was sinking into the swamp? Yeah, maybe, maybe it was just filled. That septic tank was just so filled up at that point, and he and he hadn't figured out the way to do it yet because you know he's all he's used to working on a farm in the desert. Like he doesn't know how some of that stuff works. So I think, so I think to your point, yeah, Obi Wan didn't teach that, and also that caused his uh, X wing to sink. Well, I mean, that, that brings up a whole other discussion, which is very controversial in the Star Wars arena, is how long did it take for Luke to travel to Dagobah? Yes. Uh, what, how long was that journey? And Because if you remember, uh, Luke traveled to Dagobah, and then Han uh, and everyone else split off, and they went to... What, uh, Mosai? They went to oh, Cloud, Cloud City. City. I'm but sorry. They were, but yeah, but they were hiding in the asteroid field. Yeah, they were, yeah. 
they were going all over the place. Yeah. Like how long of a time was that? And it's, it's kind of, it's up in the air. It's not really set in, in, in firm mo Like it's not solidified in, in, in the, in the content that we've been given. So there's esti there's an estimation that maybe it took Luke, what he was sitting in that X-wing for 12 hours in hyperspace, maybe 24 hours. Cause in anything longer than that, Unless you're, he's using some sort of force power, we don't know, to go into some sort of temporary hibernation. Mm -hmm. uh, your legs are going to cramp. You're yeah. going to inevitably have to use the bathroom. But I'm assuming since he's using, he has like a, an X-wing jumpsuit, he can probably urinate and do his business right there in his suit. Yeah. Um, because there's nothing, there's no facilities on board an X-wing. So it has I'm to be assuming a, a cutout cut hole like that is a toilet seat. Yeah. That he's sitting on. Yeah. So I'm assuming. I mean, those are the the X-wing are fighter craft not truly meant for long distant travel i mean i'm assuming i i mean this this is what we know from star wars so i'm assuming it probably took them maybe 12 hours to get to dagobah um, yeah because they said that about the tie fighters right they said you know a a, a ship like this couldn't have got this far into space on its yeah. own yes you know and, and it's, it's, it's only because it was in that proximity of the death star there. so well i there are no hyperdrive on tie fighters so i think that the the X-Wing, they do have hyperdrive built into uh, those craft, but each TIE fighter does not have hyperdrive built into it. And so they are short-range fighters, whereas X-Wing can fly, uh, fly along uh, larger craft like the Mount Calamari like, uh, cruisers, and they can just obviously jet around the system because they have hyperdrive. Um, right. But it's really, I mean, that is one of the, the, the bigger controversial points is like how long did Luke really spend traveling to Dagobah and being trained on Dagobah. Yeah, and you know, th there have been some, I don't know if it's direct comments from Lucas, but I think there's been some theories about that, that, you know, I think you, you, it makes it seem like it's kind of a short, you know, span time, right? He's doing kind of those training, those rocky training montages, right? Where he's jumping through the the the, the jungle and everything. But some people have, have said it, was, it, it could have been up to like a year of him training there. And like, but like at the same time, like then how does that sense. line up? How's that line up? Like, were they were 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 haunting them on the run in the asteroid field, hiding in creepy space bugs for a year? Also, no. You know, there, there I think it's a week. Some, a, a week. I, I think uh, uh, seven Earth days is uh, what I'm giving it. That's the one that makes the most sense. Um, the Cloud City was further away. It probably took them a few days to travel there. They probably zigged and zagged out of some other systems to lose any kind of Imperial trail uh, that they may have been leaving. Um, but it, it appears as though Boba Fett got to Cloud City before Han, Luke, or Han and Leia and Chewbacca. So he he took a shorter route to get there, and uh, Han and Leia kind of zigged and, zigged and zagged around to kind of lose whatever kind of imperial entanglements they were uh, dealing with at that point. So I think it's seven days that Luke had, had to train on Dagobah in seven days that Han and Leia had to deal with Cloud City, staying there, traveling and dealing with everything that was going on there. And so yeah. seven days, apparently that's what you need in the Star Wars universe to take you from a beginner, not even a Jedi, just a force user to someone who is somewhat proficient. You need a hard seven days to become a somewhat proficient late lightsaber user and right. can somewhat stand on even ground with one of the best, Darth Vader. Right. Um, 
And I think that makes sense because you definitely see the, uh, the differential there between Luke's training and what they talked about in the prequels, right? How they put him through this. The Jedi have to go through these tests and these trials. And there's this, you know, whole ritual kind of thing with like the Jedi Council and how it was, you know, in the old Republic. And, and I think, yeah, I think it almost served Luke better, right? That it was, he didn't really have a lot of that formal training because he kind of in the end, um, he kind of, I wouldn't say he betrayed the Jedi code, but he basically heard what Yoda and Obi-Wan were telling him, like, well, you got to kill Darth Vader unless he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, because because even they didn't have the foresight that, you know, what really could cause Vader to, to stop doing his evil deeds was love, you know, from it from his son. And, you know, I think um, so. So he didn't have kind of all that indoctrination, I would say from the from the older jedi or, or didn't ad adhere to it in, in a certain way shape or form which probably kind of served him best right so he he didn't have a lot of formal training kind of figured it out on his own after the, those few days with yoda yeah he, he he kind of uh just shot from the hip a lot and in in those moments of unpredictability uh that can really come to your own advantage uh so you don't know your own power obviously luke was he had good genes when it came to being a force user. Uh, so he probably had some just raw natural ability, but he didn't know what he could and couldn't do. He didn't know what was kind of off limits. And so some of that unpredictability probably uh, really benefited him in his first encounter with Darth Vader. But ultimately, he he got bested in the end. He lost an, he lost an arm or lost a hand, uh, and uh, he was defeated pretty soundly. But he did wind up at least giving pause to Vader in certain instances, but he learned a lot from that. And uh, yeah, it's incredible that uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda both didn't have the foresight there to really say, don't do this. Don't do that. You're going to, you're, when you encounter Vader, he loves to fight like this, you know, it's like, he is this kind of person. He's this kind of fighter. And you'd expect some kind of insight like that from Obi-Wan considering Obi-Wan and Vader spent, what a couple decades together at least yeah. two decades give or take maybe about a solid 15 years and uh good friends probably knew his fighting style and no insight from obi-wan at all given to luke yeah he's like just just kill this guy he's like just, <laughs> just get, do get, it just just kill it just just get it get it over with yeah and, and it, it is weird too like what you mentioned about the they didn't really realize what, uh the right way for him luke to go into this fight you know, they're supposed to be like these, what, like illuminated beings, right? They've moved on to the other world. They're supposed to basically have all this knowledge and what, I, I don't know. I, I think Lucas left that stuff very ambiguous because he probably didn't even know what he wanted to do with that. But you would think having that enlightenment would have given them more insight into what he should have done instead of like, ah, I think you just, you should probably just kill him. Just kill that guy. I, I think that's it. Well, there's something to be said for self-discovery. And this parallels to like what is going on in this world, our reality, is that you can tell somebody a little piece of news. You can tell somebody about uh, whatever, like the, the Gulf of Tonkin incident that's like it really kicked off Vietnam War. And a person won't believe it. Uh, they will believe it once they go on their own path of, of discovery. And they'll realize, oh, and it's like they, they realize, like, oh, this is BS and that's BS. Uh, but for the most part, telling somebody a piece of information 
that they don't know how to digest, they won't be able to use. They'll dismiss it, and they probably wouldn't even follow it if it was life-saving advice in the first place. Uh, I think you got to be fairly mature to kind of take advice from an elder and, and use it. So they could have, they probably would have given Luke some advice, and that all would have went out the window anyways. Because when you're in a fight like that, uh, I, all that training is just probably forgotten about. And then you're just basically running, you're dodging, you're going on pure instincts. And he wasn't trained. Uh, his instincts are not honed as a Jedi warrior at that point. So he was going on pure instinct. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so what did you think about how they handled? And we can talk, we'll talk about some other stuff too about Star Trek and, and whatnot as well. But um, another final point on kind of Star Wars is what did you think about how they kind of treated the Luke character in the in the newer movies right in the disney era because there's a lot of controversy about did they handle it the right way are we being too particular or careful about how this character is treated um me personally i think they, they they botched a lot of stuff including that character but i just like to hear what other people's opinions are on that whole thing um it's it's unfortunate so i mean you can't isolate it to just that character luke skywalker you have to approach it did they think out the entire three movies that Disney produced with J.J. Abrams, and they did not. They even they admitted that they did not have a clear-cut plan to string these stories together. And so I don't see how you can uh, address these beloved characters in a way that the fans could accept uh, if you don't have it planned out. You could do a change with Luke. The way, in, in the way they did it, but it would have to be introduced in the first movie and it, it, it would have to be built upon and explained a little bit more. They didn't care about that. They did not care about the legacy and history. They didn't care about the expanded universe, even though it was sitting there waiting for them to be to use the expanded universe. And so it was disappointing. I can understand what Ryan Johnson was trying to do by doing something a little different to twist characters and, 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 and put some different ideas in there, but it fell flat uh, because the first time we're introduced to Luke really is in the second movie and he's a completely different character. And so there was no evolution for, for the viewer. Uh, There's no path for the viewer to take to understand how Luke came to be that way. And so it was just jarring. And I've always maintained that the the most recent movies that Disney produced should have been the Timothy Zahn trilogy uh, of books that were written back in the the 90s, because that seems like it's the, it's the best story. Uh, it is a continuation of, of of the overall content that we we like about Star Wars, but it adds a new, enough new elements to further the story and create a great jumping off point for, for Disney and Lucasfilm for the next 50 years. The problem is they shot themselves in the foot by not spending a couple months plotting out what these billion-dollar movies are going to be. They thought yeah. they could put anything on the screen, and it would work. It worked for the first movie. People were a lot more forgiving for the first movie. But I came out of the first movies and and I was like, eh, it's okay. It was like it was the same story. And then I I saw the new uh, 
the the reboot, the soft reboot of Independence Day with uh, Jeff Goldblum. It was called Independence Day Resurgence, I believe. And I thought that movie did a better job at doing a soft reboot than Star Wars did. Uh, they they uh, addressed the history. They addressed the the characters that we love, like and, and Jeff Goldblum, and and they addressed Will Smith's character and the family. They, they did a better job. Uh, Independence Day did a better job than Star Wars. And uh, obviously, they're never going to admit that they made a mistake because it'll hurt their bottom line and any potential things that they want to do in the future. But obviously, uh, they have to have meetings behind the scenes saying, we really screwed up with these movies. Thank God for John Favreau and The Mandalorian for saving Star Wars. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, you know, w- one, one thing that was kind of a, a contentious thing, I know that I know George Lucas still wanted some involvement right after he had sold the company, you know, for you know, four billion dollars. He still wanted to try to maintain a, you know, maybe a creative director or creative consultant type role just to kind of have have that, that one person there. Because, you know, for for the prequels and all the faults with those movies, you at least had a linear story right from beginning to end with one person's vision helming that whole thing. So to your point, would it have done them justice to have George stay on just to help um you know, he should be a producer. He uh, he should be yeah. a producer. Like obviously, George, his strengths are not with dialogue or or uh, the finer points of story arcs or stuff like that. And yeah, the prequels have a lot of problems, but the vision, the vision is there. And uh, I am not. I was never as harsh on the prequel as uh, say Red Letter Media, <laughs> even though they, what they do is absolutely hilarious, and they're probably correct in all of their analysis with the prequels. Um, but I wasn't that harsh on him. And George Lucas should be some sort of executive producer, some sort of uh, creative director at some high level about the the overall feel of certain things. Uh, not necessarily like specific characters or, or dialogue, but uh, when, it, when it comes to intentions of, of certain characters, he should have some input if they would allow him to, to have that at this point in time. And... You know, you probably know this, that George Lucas did have outlines for the new movies. They threw them out because they yep. wanted to, they, that was Disney's hubris. That was Lucasfilm's hubris that they thought they could do just as good, if not better than the man who invented the entire galaxy that Star Wars exists in. And there are super fans out there that could do just as good a job. If, if not better than George Lucas, because they, they live and breathe this stuff. And one of those guys, uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Uh, yes. Am I pronouncing his name correctly? Dave Filoni, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Like th- those two guys, they, they, they live and breathe this stuff. And um, I, I trust them to be at the help. And there's a lot of other people that can do a phenomenal job. Um, yeah. And, yeah and, th- and those who don't know, you know, Dave Filoni, he um... – He's been with Lucasfilm since shortly after the prequels, working directly with George Lucas on that whole Clone Wars series. He was basically the creative director of that whole Clone Wars series, working side by side with George, like bringing his visions to life. So he has like, you know, firsthand experience of bringing all this stuff to life. I think sometimes he doesn't get as much credit. Everybody, we always talk about John Favreau. Everybody knows about John Favreau. And I mean, he basically kind of rebooted the whole Marvel thing, right? With kicking it off with that Iron Man movie that he directed, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah, so, so. yeah. And, and he's just in the right generation where he understands Star Wars. He grew up with it. He loves it. He he 
he handles it delicately, but he he knows how it feels. You know, it's like one of those things you can't really define like like what a good Star Wars property is, but like when you see it, you know it. And when and when it's missing, you know that it's missing. It's just there's those things about it that you just inherently know. And and, and they have it and then putting the stuff into the into the TV shows. Yeah, I, the the Mandalorian has done uh, a great job of of doing something that I would say Star Wars fans that are twenty to to sixty can really enjoy and uh, and, and, and appreciate and, and go back and watch because I grew up uh, I I saw uh, I re- I remember seeing you know, uh, return of the Jedi in the movie theaters. And I was, I was two years old when, uh, empire strikes back came out. My parents took me, I don't remember much of it, but they took me. Um, and so I grew up with that. And then after that, I had the opportunity to play the star Wars role-playing games by, I think TSR, I think did a version of it. And I have, I have the star Wars games down there and I have like my star Wars books. I have all my star Wars role-playing games. And that was during late 80s early 90s when there was not a lot of star wars content we kept you know wondering when are are there going to be new star wars movies are we ever going to see this again and then the expanded universe came out with like dark horse comics with uh, dark empire and then you had uh, the timothy zahn novels and so it was enough for like diehard star wars fans to to sink their teeth in but you really wanted george lucas to to do something you wanted that uh that energy you wanted to see it on the the big screen again and to be given the the disney stuff it seemed like oh this is this is the corporatization of star wars we saw it everything looked like star wars but it was all shiny and because I was used to watching it on dirty 35 millimeter transferred to VHS and artifact. And so the Star Wars that I imagined in, in my head was always a little dirtier. And uh, even when we got the prequels, it still seemed a little too shiny. Everything seemed a little too crisp and uh, everything was too uh, thought out. But in the Mandalorian, it seemed like what I remember growing up. And I think that's Fravro's uh memory of it and that's what he put his spin onto it and then we got the boba fett series and i i signed back up for disney plus to watch boba fett and i i liked it i'll probably give it like seven out of ten stars maybe six out of ten stars but it was not as well thought through right it seemed like Mm -hmm. they rushed it I like Boba Fett. Uh, I like the actor who plays him. There, there was probably too much talking by Boba Fett, not enough ass kicking, and it seemed like he was super incompetent. Unfortunately, it was I think poorly poorly written in some of the direction by Rodriguez. I think he doesn't know how to treat Star Wars. Uh, he's a an amazing director and writer. I just don't think Star Wars is his fit. Right. Yeah. It, it was good to get him involved. And he's made a lot of, you know, a lot of great movies over the years. But yeah, there was a little bit, a little bit something lacking there. You know, I think the best criticism I've heard of it is that when you compare like the Mandalorian and Boba Fett, they basically gave all like the cool bounty hunter aspects of a bounty hunter character to the Mandalorian. Yeah. And it, it, instead of Boba Fett. Right. So then when you when you had to get the Boba Fett series going, you had to come like revamp his character. Otherwise, you basically have two two shows of the same character. 
I don't so care. They should have done that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they. Sh I, I like. To me, I don't care if it's two shows of the same character. There's enough content there, and there's enough uh, backstory for Boba Fett. Like the Bonnie Hunters Guild, he he could work for a different one because those bounty hunters they travel to different systems where there's different cultures, there's different aliens, there's different ways to interact with their environments, and so really the bounty hunter is just a vehicle for the viewer to see different aspects of this galaxy. And for me, it, it's, it doesn't really matter. It's like, say, well, we're, oh, it's like in Star Trek, are we just going to have another uh, starship flying around the galaxy, exploring planets and interacting with strange aliens? Yes. We'll do it every decade as long as it's done well. And yeah. so for it, like, yes, they could have had another hardcore bounty hunting series with Boba Fett he could have interacted with Bosk or, or or Dengar and all these other people that we saw, or have new bounty hunters. There's plenty of people to pick from. It just seems like they they rushed it along. Uh, obviously, they did not have as big a budget, but that's really is, I think that's immaterial because there are amazing Star Trek Next Generation episodes that were done on tighter budgets, but the writing was much more solid. Right. Um, so in the chat here with some some good insight, uh, Boba Fett was friends with Putin. I don't know if you knew that or not, Mike. Oh, yeah, I think he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah what they could have done with the series, they could have kept the kind of the main storyline and the few of flashbacks. But I think they would have done a great uh, service to your point. Why don't they do some uh, classic Boba Fett flashbacks? Right. Like, why don't they show back the Boba Fett when he's back in his prime? You know, obviously, the the actor is older now, but you can have somebody younger in the suit, have him still do the voice. Have some of those, you know, what was going on before he, you know, was tracking down Han Solo, him talking to Jabba the Hutt about, you know, going to find like or, or interacting with all those other bounty hunters. I think they would they really should have dipped back into that that era. I don't know if they were kind of too, too scared to, to go in that direction, because then you're like, it, it's the same. It's the original trilogy, but just, oh, look what's happening over here. It's a little bit different or I, I don't know why they didn't. Um, go down that that alley would you do you think that would have been cool or would that have been too it much? would have been okay uh, i just would have preferred that and i don't even mind that boba fett was turned into a good guy after he learned from the sand people and uh like it, it's it seemed a little hokey for me but i was still on board what i was kind of annoyed at is that there were there were no mentions or sites of how the Imperials were operating still, because we know they're around from everything we learned in the Mandalorian. They seem, they seem to have quite a presence on certain planets. And like during the, the Boba Fett series, like, well, who's really behind some of the spice running? Uh, what is it used for? I like all that kind of Gamey Thrones things, you know? They had, they had all the elements of like a, a good Game of Thrones in Star, Star Wars, and they they miss some opportunities there. And, yeah, and in the and in the end, he said, "Well, I, I guess I really I don't really want to be a crime boss." Basically, you know, he didn't really kind of went on this circular uh, journey where at the end he's like, "Well, now he defeated all his enemies." He's like, "Well, I don't know. I don't really know what to do now." <laughs> no, it was it's kind of a strange way. Yeah, I think, and and I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do another season or not. I'm I'm pretty sure they. They will, but there there does need to be more. Um, I think there needs to be more classic style Boba Fett just to give people that a comparison, you know. Because when you only get the the from now <clears throat> Boba Fett, 
you don't kind of see what he was before. And maybe he'll go back to that. Maybe season two, he will kind of go back to being that bounty hunter thinking like, you know, this whole crime boss life isn't really the life for me. Like, Hey, you stay here, look after this stuff. I'm going to go back and do what I love doing. Well, I, I, I would imagine that they are building towards something. Uh, they're, they're building to the Imperials and uh, Thrawn. I'm, I'm imagining that they're, they're, they're building to Thrawn and uh, there's some sort of uh, dark fleet out there, uh, some dark Imperial fleet that is going to make its presence known in the galaxy. It's just unfortunate that we have to wait so long to get that. And now we have the Obi-Wan series coming out, which is a, a rewind. So it's not even building upon what we learned in Mandalorian and Boba Fett, which I think it's a much more positive step forward for Star Wars. Now we have to rewind, what, probably 25, 30 20, years? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, big, that's the biggest hurdle for, you know, even me explaining it to, to people about, about Star Wars and where all these movies take place. Because, you know, I'm like, in my office, right? I'm like the Star Wars guy. So when something comes out, people are like, "Oh, wait, what is this? Does this follow this? Like, where the the, the timeline is all screwed up, it you is. know, just from the start, right? We're going to do the middle chapter, then we're going to do the previous chapter, then we'll do the end, and all like you said, all these series are. I, I I've literally made a timeline in like Microsoft Excel that I'm showing people about where all these where all these happen, the years of all this stuff that came out, and it's it's very confusing. And if you like Star Wars, you know, you, you understand it all, but it's like the kind of barrier to entry of, of kind of a new Star Wars fan is a little bit wild when you think about it. It is. It, uh, there's a lot of content to go over. And uh, where do you really start? I guess you have to start at the prequels and then go to the original movies. And then maybe I wouldn't even recommend the, the Disney movies to anybody at, at this point. Um, maybe if, if you say, watch those last and view it as a parody and it's like, it, but I wouldn't recommend it to anybody because to me, the, the real successor towards, for the Lucas trilogies is, is the Mandalorian is it's like the most accurate, uh, depiction of what that world would be after the second Death Star blew up. There is a power vacuum. There's a struggle going on. Uh, a lot of people don't care it, what I picked up on. It, it didn't. It didn't appear as though a lot of people cared who ruled them for the most part, only if it interrupted their daily lives. And uh, I think the Mandalorian did a good job at that. Um, I'm sure Favreau is being pulled in every direction and is probably being asked. They're probably him and Dave. I don't know if there are Dave Fion. Filone, is that his name? Filone. 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 Are they, are, are him and Favreau officially the head of Lucasfilm and Star Wars at this point? Or they are just behind the scenes kind of doing stuff and Kathleen Kennedy has been sidelined? I, I think Kathleen Kennedy is still in charge. I think she re-upped re her contract too, so I think she's still going to be around for a few more years. But I would say, yeah, unofficially, you know, they have the series that they're working on directly, but they also are basically like, um, gosh, I forget the, what's the guy's name? who oh, Kevin Feige, right, yeah. who runs the Marvel stuff. He's not always directly involved in the data, but like he has the, the, the guide of like, this is what we want to do and kind of double checks all the different properties to make sure things are making up and lining up and making sense and not conflicting with each other. So I, I would definitely say that. Um, Filoni, probably more from a creative sense. I know, uh, 
they John Favreau, I think he's the right, he's written every single one of those episodes himself. I think Dave Filoni has helped out a little bit, directed a few episodes here and there. Um, but yeah, I would I would say that that's the case because because you're not hearing about any you know movies going into production at all. It's all just the TV stuff. So this year we got um, like you said the Obi Wan series. There's the Ahsoka series, which is kind of you know from the the, the Clone Wars character that um, Dave Filoni helped create. Which I will say that series is 100% gonna have Thrawn in it because they um, pretty much hyped that up when when she appeared in the Mandalorian that's that's who she was looking for so that's going to get some you're going to get some good Thrawn action there um but I, I think they're basically overseeing this whole process now intimately involved in a few projects themselves but really um having that oversight um from a creative standpoint over over all these to make sure that it has that feel of Star Wars I would say yeah I mean one of the one of the biggest problems that Lucasfilm has, I believe, is the the PR problem that they have, where they're trying to attract new people to to fall in love with Star Wars. Uh, simultaneously, they are dividing the audience by pushing more politics and uh, in, into their content and getting on Twitter some of their like Star Wars writers and people associated directly with Lucasfilm and getting into arguments with people on Twitter. Which never is never amounts to anything positive, really. I haven't seen anybody's mind changed on Twitter over any conversation, and so I can't believe Lucasfilm hasn't banned employees from engaging with fans on Twitter because there's no positive step forward, especially after what happened with uh, uh, Gina Carraro of of the Mandalorian getting fired because of what she said on Twitter. I can't believe there hasn't been a company-wide policy. Stop talking on Twitter if you are going to be associated with Star Wars and Lucasfilm. There's no positive. The fan base of Star Wars is still split, and it's gradually being mended because of Boba Fett and, and Mandalorian. But if they were to do another blockbuster movie, um, I think it would it would be just as the vice of form. So I, and I, they, they want to drive more people to their Disney plus platform. So I don't envision them doing another star Wars movie probably for like at least another five years. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think they really need to go back to the drawing board and kind of figure out what they really want to want to do. And, you know, you know, you mentioned uh, game of Thrones earlier. Um, they actually, for a time, they had those guys who were running that series on board to do a film or a series of films. Um, which, you know, everybody was assuming would be something like, you know, Knights of the Old Republic or like, you know, like thousands of years before, you know, all these events. So it would almost be like, you know, medieval slash Star Wars, which would be kind of cool because they have that kind of environment, but add some lightsabers. But basically, Game of Thrones with lightsabers is what it would be. Um, but I think after, uh, you know, we don't have to get into the whole, whole thing here, but like the, the Game of Thrones, how it ended, um, a lot of fans were really disappointed they didn't like how it how it worked very similar concept with the sequel trilogy yeah where it kind of got botched by by in, in many ways um but i think after all that happened with the game of thrones series the the disney people were looking like listen we already got enough controversy and split with you know these movies we were just putting out here um their fans aren't very happy with them either so that's just not a I don't think that's going to be a happy marriage. So I think they, they cut those guys loose. And throughout the whole process of the sequel movies, I mean, they fired many directors, fired many directors, fired many writers. So which, which went to your point earlier about it wasn't a cohesive 
vision is that they, they didn't let anybody develop a cohesive vision because they kept firing people. Yeah, it, it's got to be so much pressure. And I know a lot of people don't like Kathleen Kennedy, but I, I have to imagine she's under so much pressure to perform and crank out amazingly popular stuff um, that she may be cracking. And it might be too much pressure for one person to carry because there are, there are so many expectations when it comes to anything Star Wars that it's got to please so many people. And it's an impossible task. Um, but one of the ways that uh, you're surely to create division is to inject politics, come up with your own po opinions about politics while you're promoting a movie or a franchise. It just, it rarely works. It, I mean, and it's just going to bite you in the ass later. So hopefully yeah. they'll be able to repair it. Uh, I will watch the Obi-Wan series. That's that's coming out in April, isn't it? It's coming out uh, May 25th. So it's the... Uh, they couldn't, they oh couldn't do it on May 4th? Well, no. See, Mike, May 25th is actually the Star Wars day because that's the date of the original film release oh, in 77. Okay. So, like, you know, and I, and I have to put on my actually nerd face when I talk about that at work. People are just rolling their eyes because I'm like, I like the May the 4th, but, like, the real, real one is... Um, that anniversary. So I think that's what, 40, 45 years, Jesus 45 Christ. year anniversary since that first one came out. Yes, it will. Yeah. 45 years. Yeah. Now, now let me ask you this, Mike. Um, will you be doing a live OBDM show from the galactic star cruiser in Disney world? Uh, I would do it if it didn't cost so damn much. It, it is quite a hefty fee to get, two people in there i think for uh that experience that star wars hotel experience down there in, in orlando i think it's twenty five hundred dollars for two or three days oh okay and, that, that's not too bad not too bad you think that's not too bad oh yeah yeah you know like you said from all the money we're making on podcasting i mean that's just the drop the drop in the bucket right there i'm thinking i'm thinking like that's i i just went to universal studios um uh, in february and we had a choice like hey do you want to go to universal or do you want to go to disney it's like hey you know uh you know disney does have the the star wars uh you know the the uh, the, the environment you can go see the millennium falcon you can go to the cantina but then i saw some pictures of it and i was like yeah, they didn't do a really good it just seems like they pushed the uh the new movies and they're not even really going into the, the stuff i really care about there and so yeah. we went to and Universal. Same, and, and same with that new that new hotel. It's all pushing, you know, the sequel era characters and stuff. And like, I think people just like just give us a little bit of everything. But but we, yeah, what do you think about Universal? I I really love Universal. I mean, I think what they did with the Harry Potter stuff should have been what the, they should have had for Star Wars. Absolutely, well. the, the Harry Potter stuff is, at Universal absolutely amazing. It looks fantastic. The interaction you have with. Uh, that environment there with the, the people working there. And I'm not even like a huge, huge Harry Potter fan. I appreciate it. I've seen, I've seen all the movies. I think they're very well done. My stepdaughter, she loves Harry Potter, you know, and, uh, and my wife, they, 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 they watched it. It's like what they grew up kind of watching together and uh, they love. Um, but it is, it was done so well. And those rides, the Harry Potter rides uh, are, are so engaging and so well thought out, uh, they had to have had 
that kind of thought process for the Star Wars theme park over there at Disney, but apparently they rushed and botched that too. And unfortunately, I think when it opened, wasn't the pandemic in full swing when it really opened up? And so yeah, they kind of got yeah. kicked in the balls there. Yeah, because I went there in um, fall of 2020. I went down there to see, a, to see a friend who lives in Tampa, and we drove over there for the day, and it was just uh, obnoxious. You know, people check in every five feet to make sure everybody had their masks on. Standing outside in Florida in a mask and yeah. 85 degrees of the humidity, it was, it was ridiculous. It really ruined the experience. But also... Um, like you mentioned, they have this cantina, this and that. It's like, if you don't book all that stuff like days, sometimes even months in advance, like you can't even go into all those places. It's not like you can just kind of walk in and hang out and just go get a drink. It's like, no, you have to have certain reservation for this time, for this, this, this. And it's like, it kind of ruins a lot of the the fun of that um, of, of environment. And, you know, and plus, you know, they, they modeled it after a, just a spaceport they created out of their own minds. They didn't add any, like uh here this is the cantina this is a you know hoth this is this is that this is this they wanted to just create it in this you know world that doesn't really exist in any of the movies i I think they thought and i I think it's a terrible thought that well we'll make it in something that's not in any of the movies so it can last longer you know no i no, i think the movies have lasted this long because people love them and, and recollect them and have a understanding of you know what what they're going into to look at there's very specific places you need you just like they did the Harry Potter land, right? They have the whole place that's covered in snow, just like you see it in the movie. They have the castle up on the hill. Just give us the stuff that we we want to see. Don't um, don't don't try to act like you're the smartest person in the room and say, "Well, we're going to create our own thing and add a whole." I mean, they created like a comic series about this space porn. Everything's like I don't think anybody really cares. No, not not people spending twenty five hundred dollars to four thousand dollars for the experience. And it just looks like a standard uh, hotel with some Star Wars lighting and and wallpaper, pretty much. I don't even know if we're going to get the Star Wars toilet that we talked about earlier, the refresher. I think it's going to be a standard human Earth toilet, which I want the full experience. And so if I'm going to pay that money, I show up. I get it. And they say, okay, you have a choice. Do you want to be in the light side or the dark side? They give give you a choice for the experience. Say, I want to be on the dark side. Like, okay. You want to be dressed up as a bounty hunter or an imperial. So you role play the entire time that you're there and they give you your costume and you got to kind of stay in character the entire time you're there. And then you go eat with the imperials. You go do that kind of thing or, and you go do some kind of missions. That would be worth the experience for me. If I'm going to be at a Star Wars hotel, make it a total cosplay experience where you're required to be in some sort of costume the entire time you're there. That would make sense, and that would be something totally unique, kind of worth more of the money, and, uh, and 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 create a difference between what you're doing there, Star Wars, versus what Harry Potter is doing over there at Universal. But no, they just made a hotel. They put some wallpaper on it, had some cool dashboards and some lighting, and they're trying to charge people uh, four thousand dollars. When you know how expensive that is, middle class, middle class people can't afford that it is for like people that save up for a couple years to do that it is very difficult for an average family to ever experience that it's meant for rich people yeah and and, you know if you compare it to other things you could do with your vacation money you could go on like a probably a seven eight day cruise yeah for that maybe even a little bit less and you'll talk about an experience and and things to see and but in the star war in the star cruiser 
you can get dance lessons though. I, I did see that, Mike, you can get oh, wow. dance lessons. And you know, some people were dancing with, with masks on too. It was really, it looked really, really fun. Oh, really wow. Fun. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Yes. The world of dance. Exactly. And like, I think you're right. If they made it a whole kind of cosplay experience, that would be, that'd be great. You know, if you're a, if you're an Imperial, you know, sometimes Darth Vader comes by and just chokes you out a little bit. I mean, just, you really are, you know, you're feeling the force. Like you, you know, it's, it's memorable. Intended. It's memorable. And like, so they, they could do a lot of that stuff. So like there's their star cruiser. So where does that star cruiser travel to? It stays in one place, but they could easily, they have the room, they got the money, build a whole desert scene and then allow people to interact with a Jawa sand crawler or have a Jawa sand crawler be the hotel. I mean, it's big enough. That would make kind yeah. of more sense. Uh, yeah. Um, give people an actual experience, something that is memorable and create choices for them that they have to deal with and live with for their entire stay. So it would give them, uh, an urge or a want to come back and try it all over again and try a different path. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And, and maybe they'll learn from some of these lessons and revamp it and figure it out, but no, they won't, it, you, know, <laughs> they, you know, they won't wishful, wishful thinking. Did, did you hear about how they tied in this galactic star cruiser into a novel about Han and Leia? Did you hear about this? Yes, I did. And, uh, uh it was, so this is, I forget what the hot, it was a Han and Leia novel that took place like right after return of the Jedi. And it was like their honeymoon. They, and they were, they took a galactic star cruiser for their honeymoon. Yeah, that that's that's the ship. Whatever the name of the ship is, whatever class you know, uh, ship pick them up from from the Endor forest after you know they were kind of banging in the in the jungle somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, picks them up on the Galactic Star Cruiser um, and takes them off to their to their destination. It's uh, one of the cheesiest tie-ins uh, I've ever seen. And you know the the author was forced. You know he was. He was like, oh cool, I get to write a, a Han and Leah book. Great. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you need to mention this because we got something going on at the theme park and we really got to yes. talk oh. about you, you got to talk about how, you know, they went to the gift shop inside of the Star Cruiser as well. I mean, there's lots of you need to talk about the dinners, right? Yes. Talk about the, the galactic steak, you know, talk about the and there may be some talk about the talk about the Twi'lek singer, the Twi'lek and the, the singers there. And by the way, yeah. in the, the new Boba Fett series, there's Twi'leks everywhere. All the, the yeah. tentacle people, the tentacle mm -hmm. head people, they're mm -hmm. everywhere. I remember them being much more ugly in the original series. It seems like that now they're all beautiful. Yeah, yeah, because the only really the only one you interact with greatly is you know Jabba's guy, Bib Fortuna there. Yeah. But and he has a very kind of a kind of like a galactic type voice, whatever that is. But all the other ones you see are just kind of like normal dudes, right? Just like, yeah. Oh hey, how's it going? Or like the 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 lady that ran that one, you know, yeah, strip club or whatever. It's just like oh hello there. It's like no, you expected it to be like a different language. Like they spoke a different language. That is their species. Yeah, but, but he's like he's like. But then one guy's like, you know, I went to. Uh, he's like, I went to the the. I got my education on Coruscant, and it's like it's just looking like some weird some dude, uh, like that was just like you know doing stand up comedy in like L.A. and they just like put the uh the stuff on him. And just like, hey, just just keep keep talking exactly how you are. Don't add any nuance or, or anything to it. Just 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 start doing your thing and just talk normal, like you're like you're hanging out on, on Earth. And it seemed pretty half-assed, and yeah. it, it 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 kind of took me out. I was like, I I was expecting the the species to be a little bit more ugly and rougher around the edges, but apparently, 
I was wrong. You know, apparently my my vision for Star Wars was uh, to, I guess, adhere to the original characters. So I guess I'm yeah. a pierced in that way. Exactly. Um, so I, I guess, you know, before we kind of close it out here, um, tell everybody a little bit about about your podcast. I'm, I'm hoping that people who have been listening to my show know about about OBDM. It's it's one of the I will say it's one of my favorite shows out there. You guys do a great a great job, a great consistent job um, every every week with with putting out the content. It's it's great. It's informative. It's 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 funny. So tell everybody a little bit a little bit about the show. It's hard to describe sometimes um, because we, we cover a vast range of topics. I will I, I do say this to people that it requires if you're a new listener and you want to try out our big dumb mouth, it does require listening to two to three episodes after which time you'll either like the show or you'll say, no, my original thought of it being stupid is correct. Um, those are that's what usually what happens. But we talk about uh, conspiracies, paranormal topics. Uh, current events when it ranges, ranges like politics or geopolitics and like strange, bizarre stories at the end of the show. It's it's like a mix of uh, early's uh, like uh, drive time talk radio show like Howard Stern or Opie and Anthony mixed with Art Bell. And uh, it's just us three guys, sometimes two guys. We rarely have guests. We just sit around, BS, play like a lot of sound effects and, and uh, try to have as much fun with all these different topics as, as, as we can. And, uh, right. that's basically it. And I think that's, I think that's the point. I think we, we should be allowed to have fun and laugh and, you know, there's, there's, there's a dark side, obviously in our world, right. That we all, we all know about, and we can talk about that ad nauseum, but you know, there's also a side of like, let's, 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 let's just shoot the shit for a little bit. Let's joke around. Let's play some funny stuff. I, I love the great, uh, funny stories that you guys pulled because that really, it, it helps. It helps. Um, what am I trying to say? It, it makes it a good mixture, right? Like you can talk about the hard hitting stuff, but you balance you balance it out with some some light stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a, there's enough darkness and, and bad in this world, and you can dwell on that for every podcast. But I don't want to live in that world. Uh, I want to I want to be in the world where I like to think even Darth Vader liked to have fun. He liked to play badminton. Like not everything was doom and gloom with Darth Vader. Like he liked to play poker. He, how does he relax? Well, that's how we want to relax. Like yeah, we'll we'll talk about some dark evil stuff, but then we'll also talk about uh, some ghosts and what's going on with the the newest Taco Bell menu. <laughs> so yeah. we try to include it all. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, here, um, let me hit some 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 awesome comments from the chat here so um early on you know back mike back to the poop discussion somebody yes. said that in the in the ships they store your, you store your poop in 13 mason jars okay so yes. that's yeah that's one possible way um and somebody said the poop is strong with this episode a absolutely yes it was um and somebody else mentioned that you know when you're flying through space there's space depends I can see that. I mean, that that is kind of what the astronauts would use. Our, our astronauts here on Earth, that they would have, they have their own, uh, you know, sp space diapers, astronaut diapers. I can see yeah. that. It's probably the most efficient way if you got to use the restroom. It's possible. And and uh, the same person says that the space depends technology is currently being used on Joe Biden. So I, I would I would believe that. Um, Chewbacca needs ten rolls of toilet paper every time he goes because of all the hair. I would imagine so. I, I would I would imagine his backside is very stinky um, yeah. because everything we know about Sasquatch, 
Uh, Sasquatch, they smell horrifically. Uh, they don't bathe very often, and you can smell them a mile away. I would imagine uh, Chewbacca is the same way. We never see him self-grooming. We never see him, t- like, licking himself or, yeah. or doing anything like that. So he probably smells horrifically. Uh, I'm going yeah. on record. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Do you think, you know, like, um, Han just takes him back to, like, whatever the the opening ramp or just kind of hoses him off i would sometimes, imagine yeah. like you do like with the with the with the dog and you just yeah you, sh- yeah it out. You're, you're like when you when you wash your cat or dog they always look so weird because they look all skinny because all the hair is, is like matted down it's like oh my god you look disgusting i'm imagining chewbacca looks like that like that uh, many points in time and looks awful you gotta hose him down and then he's good for another week Yes. yes. I wasn't down like an um, elephant. <laughs> n- another, another good comment. Um, none of you would have been alive if, if it weren't for my David. Yeah, that yeah, is 100%, true. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, That's a Rogue. huge piece of news. Well, I wanted to play but, here. This is the. Uh, none of you did anything to prevent this. You'll all be dead now if it wasn't my David. Yeah. <laughs> David, 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 David Skywalker. Uh, Rogue One was a good exception to the Disney movies. I agree. I think Rogue One was the best movie out of all. You the know movies. what? You're right. We forgot about that one. Uh, it looked great. Um, I think it was a well-told story, and it fit right in to the Star Wars universe. Yeah, yeah, and it was. Uh, I, I love those. Maybe it's a morbid thing, but I love those movies where everybody dies in the end. You know, one of my one of my favorite movies is that Reservoir Dogs movie, that early Quentin Tarantino movie at the end. They all just, they, everybody shoots them. Everybody shoots everybody. And they're all, they're all dead. And it doesn't leave did, any ambiguity really. It's like, it, it's, it's over. It's a, a finale right there. Right. But now they're kind of making a prequel to that series of the one um, Cassie and Andor character. They're making a show about him now. So then again, you know, back to our point earlier, like now that's even a prequel to that. The pre- yeah. a, a prequel it, to the prequel of the prequel. Of the I original. guess I'd watch that. Like, I'd be interested in seeing stuff about like Coruscant and the, the Coruscant underworld, because it's like Coruscant has got many different le- levels of, uh, within that city. And like, it's, it's pretty much a city planet and there's crime yeah. lords. There's, there's things to do. Um, there's plenty of content there. I don't know if you need uh, Aunt, uh, Cassian to do that. I think you just have a whole show about the uh, Well, I, you know, I think uh, back in the day, George Lucas talks about this. He was going to create this show called, um star wars 1313 which is basically like the 13th floor like under coruscant so it's basically all of the underworld kind of kind of stuff so he wrote like i think he wrote like 30 or 40 episodes of this show um he was going to do a live action i don't know if it was mid 90s something like that but i think at that point it was so expensive to produce a live action show that he really wanted to probably to put as much you know cgi and stuff into it as he probably really wanted to that I don't think he was able to get it get it funded. Um, they were going to make like a video game tie-in and all that kind of stuff. So I think you know you, you see some of these ideas trickle out a little bit in some other some other media. You know, in the Clone Wars series, you do see him going down to these lower levels and kind of dealing with all the kind of the the scum of Coruscant. Because you're right in, in the prequels, you see Coruscant just the above layer, right? It's all the the politicians and the senators and the the kings and the queens and all this stuff. But you really don't see like how the real people are living the commoners like us down there trying to get cybernetic implants trying to right. use a refresher cleaning all the poop that they're just dumping on top yeah. of us you know um another really important comment here in the chat is that um for one we need more wokeness in star wars absolutely 100 mm-hmm. they need a darth maul series um and then somebody says darth maul 
should come out as non-binary in that series. So I think there's some really, really solid, you know, points there that, you know, Disney would be happy to pursue, I'm sure. I think they would definitely uh, try to tie that in if they could get away with it. But, I, you know, all rumors are is that Darth Maul is going to appear in this new Obi-Wan series. So we miss him. Whether he's non-binary or gender fluid, that's hope, uh, that's that's left to be seen. Well, and he might actually be technically non-binary because... He did um, cut in half. Yeah, so in, yeah. they brought him back in that Clone Wars series um, after he was supposedly already dead. And what they did was, yeah, he was he was cut in half. He was on like this trash planet. And he basically ended up getting these robotic legs, like yeah. almost like what you see with that general grievous. But so he's got robotic legs. But depending on where he got cut, he could technically be non-binary if it cut yeah. off the organs that would 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 tell you what you are. Yeah, I would. That would definitely put a, a damper on your sexual life if you got cut off uh, the waist and below. It'd be hard. Yeah. Uh, and, and, no and, pun intended. And, ever, and ever since we and ever since we got him back in that context he was very angry very angry yeah well so, yeah getting cut in half i mean it's probably fairly traumatizing probably fairly fairly traumatizing so um thanks thank you so much mike for for joining me today this has been great we'll have to we'll have to chat again in the future yeah, always absolutely. All kinds of you know, we could do, probably do a whole episode on on Star Trek as well. I need to. Uh, oh God! I need to dive into some of those series. It's on my it's on my to do list as far as getting into things like the Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. I've heard really good marks about both of those series. W- yeah. What would you recommend specifically? Uh, Next Generation, then Deep Space Nine, uh, then Voyager, and uh, then you might be ready for Picard. I uh, then Star Trek Discovery, but. You no, know, we we'll talk about Star Trek. Star Wars is having the same problem that modern day Star Trek is having: is that people are writing it and they don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, exactly. I'm just all so right, tired so, of all these Star Wars. So many star, so many Star Wars, so many wars, so so little, so little time. So, uh, Mike, tell everybody where they can find you and about your show. Yes, you can go to obdmpod.com. Or that's rbigdumbmouth.com. And we stream live uh, Saturdays at noon Eastern time and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can check us out uh, at Twitch and uh, DLive. We're really not allowed to be on YouTube anymore. We have a channel, but they shadow banned us a long time ago, and they don't like us here. So uh, we, if we could be here, if we watch what we say, but you know, who's going to do that? No, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, no, 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 no sense, so. So hopefully, hopefully they didn't figure out that you were on this episode with me. I'm not banned. No, they just don't like me. <laughs> yeah, it's not very, it's not very, it's not very nice of them. Um, yeah. So I'll put all the links to your show in in the show notes. Also, your merchandise store. You guys have a lot of really cool stuff. I recently was. I I, I won a major award, Mike. Yeah, you did. You you're a contest winner. I was a contest winner in your in your merchandise giveaway. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be repping some really awesome OBDM stuff here on future so shows maybe something where a, a wizard is riding a dinosaur yes possibly so yeah it's really really cool stuff so yeah everybody go go check out the merch go check out the show uh it's awesome I, it comes highly highly recommended it's alex jones's favorite show from what yeah, i've heard so. yeah that's a, that's so a rumor too. on the street all right well mike thank, thank like i said thanks a lot again um thank you everybody for for tuning in special Sunday episode here. So maybe we'll do some, some of these again in the future, but anyways, um, thank you all for tuning in and may the force be with you. Charming to the last.